Chapter 17 begins with the journey uh, in Midbar Sin. And the first the Pasuk says, the first verse is, Vayachanu birfidim v'yen mayim So the journey continues. In Mara, the waters were bitter. Then we have chapter 16, which deals primarily with the man, with the lechem. The complaint, there's no lechem. And now, in this third story, once again, it's a complaint about water. Moshe. The people quarrel with Moses. So again, the people approach Moshe. Moshe says, what are you coming to me for? Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you try or test God? So this is the third complaint. And the third complaint is the most serious, given the fact that the first two experiences, God did sweeten the waters and God did provide the lechem. And it's God that's providing it, not Moshe. So Moshe says, what do you come to me for? And uses two words, Riv and Nisayon, or later in the story, Masa. The people complain, Moshe, uh, Moshe is upset, Moshe cries out to God. What can I do, says Moshe in the fourth pasuk, Old Marus Kaluni, Suno stone me. And God instructs Moshe, stand before the people, stand before the rock, take your staff, hit the rock, in verse number 6, and water will be provided, the people will drink. Moshe does that before all of the elders. The place was called Masa and Riva. Ariv bin Israel, on account of the quarrel, Viana Sotam et Hashem Lemar, and their testing of God, saying, Ayesh Hashem in God, is God in our midst or not? The word to test, Lenasot, has appeared now for the third time. It appeared when they first crossed the sea. Sham Samlo in Mara, in the place of bitterness, God gave, instructed, Choku Mishpat. God gave laws. Visham Nisahu, their God tested them. And in the second story, the story of the man, we've spoken about the purpose of the man, Laman Anasenu, that I should test them. Test them. There has a sense of teach them as well. And now the third time, Masa Umriva, Nasotamet Hashem. But here it's different. Here is not God testing the people. Here the Torah says the people quarreled and tested God, which is completely inappropriate. Saying, is God in our presence or not? And as we've seen, God, of course, is very much in their presence. God is providing them with, with food, with bread, with water. But they seem not to be aware of that. They don't see God in that way. And the next verse, Vayavo Amalek, Vayilachem im Yisrael birfidim, Amalek came and waged war with Israel in Rafidim. It's very interesting that in this first verse, Amalek comes and they fight in Rafidim because the Torah in the beginning of chapter 17 made the point very strongly that they came to Rafidim in the beginning of chapter 17, in verse number 1, but the name Rafidim was changed. The place is not called Rafidim. It is called, says the Torah, Masa Umriva, 
In verse number seven, Masa and Riva, Riv and Nisa. And now Amalek comes and attacks them in Rifidim. The Medrash, and Rashi cites it, talks about Rifidim and breaks the place Rifidim into two words, Raf Yodayim, weakness of hands. Some of the Russian take this weakness of hands, Rafu Yudayim in our Torah. They stop the study of Torah. They cease their engagement with Torah. That's a medrash. But the medrash is getting at something which is the plain meaning of the text. In the story of Amalek, the Torah says that when Amalek attacked, Moshe instructs Yoshua to gather the army, choose men and fight. And Moshe says, I will ascend to the top of the hill with the staff. And the Torah says a strange thing. And Moses would raise his hands up, Israel would be winning. When he placed his hands down, Amalek would be, would be victorious. Moses' hands were heavy. Moses can't sustain his hands. He can't keep the hands up all the time. His hands are too heavy. So they took a rock and Moses sat down. Aaron and Hur supported his hands, each one from one side, one from the other. So his hands were steady until nightfall. So it's interesting that what the story is about, in terms of Moshe's intervention on behalf of Israel, it's really about weakness of hands. Moses alone cannot sustain his hands, and only when the hands are lifted up. However one understands that, the simplest understanding is prayer. When Moses is praying, his Israel is winning. When Moses stops praying, when his hands, literally puts down his hands, which is to be understood, I think, most plausibly as he can't sustain them. He requires the support of others. And they're able to support him until nightfall. Now, the important point over here about Amalek, actually, there are many important points, but one of them is Amalek is present in the biblical text at moments of weakness. In this particular case, the weakness is not a physical weakness. The weakness is a lack of understanding. The weakness is a lack of appreciation. It's all about the weakness of hands. And there's another theme over here which is very important, which is Amalek almost wins. It's reminiscent of the story of Megillah Esther and other texts. Amalek typically figures in this way. They come at moments of weakness, or if they don't come, they expose weakness. The story of King Saul in the book of Samuel, chapter 15. Saul attacked Amalek. Israel attacks Amalek. But the story is about the exposing of Saul's weakness, his failure to take responsibility. He's not understanding what it means to be king. So that is fairly consistent throughout Amalek in the Bible. Here it's curious, Vayavu Amalek, because typically in the Torah, take for example the story of Edom, later on in the book of Bamidbar, Israel is trying to get into the promised land, 
And they want to go through the land of Edom. They say to the king of Edom, let us pass through. We're your brother, let us pass through. You won't take anything. Or afterwards, if we do take something, we'll pay for it. Edom says, Rotavar, but you can't pass through. Unless they come out with a sword. And in fact, Edom does threaten Israel. Israel does not pass through. Israel goes around. But over here, there's no sense in the Torah whatsoever that we're passing through the land of Amalek. If Amalek has a land at all, it's in southern Israel, but it's certainly not here in Midbar Sin. So Vayavu Amalek sounds like something different. That Amalek is already set up in the Torah as a force that seeks out the weak, that seeks out opportunities. It's Vayavu Amalek. Amalek comes and attacks. There is another way to read the Kashe Yoniach Yodo. When Moses would, Moses would raise his hands, Israel would be willing. Kashe Yoniach Yodo Vigavar Amalek. Yoniach is a strange word. Because Yaniach is an active verb. If it had said, Kasher Nachu Yidei Moshe, when Moses' hands were put down, the passive, I understand, his hands are heavy. What is Kasher Yoniach Yodo when he puts his hands down? So I believe that, this question, by the way, is essentially asked by the Zohar. The Zohar understands it to mean there are times when you don't pray. There are times in the day, times of judgment, when you don't pray. That's Kasher Yoniach. I, I would suggest that Kasher Yoniach Yodo carries with it a different valence. That basically Moses, Moses on the mountain raising his hands is prayer, but there's something else that the Torah wants us to think about, and not prayer, but judgment. Israel is being judged over here, and it's not at all clear if Israel will emerge victorious, successfully emerge from judgment. Maybe we don't deserve to successfully emerge from judgment. Maybe the non-appreciation is a grievous sin. It's not clear. Moses is judging. At the end of the day, Moses, together with the two others, Aaron and Hur, it's a court of three. Later when Moses goes up the mountain, he says, I can't, I'm leaving you. Aaron and Hur stay behind. Whoever has a judgment should approach them. It's the first instance of a court of three. The Torah says Israel stood in judgment at that time. It was very unclear how Israel would emerge from judgment. But at the end of the day, the court, the court of three, Moses and his two confederates, have passed judgment on Israel. Israel, with all its problems, is to be saved from Amalek.